um, uh, great to have you guys here and uh, let me um, leave us in a word of prayer first. Dear Father, we thank you for uh, being in our midst and for this time together. Um, thank you for uh, your provision. Um, Father, we meet you in this uh, place and in this very room. Um, uh, I'm so humbled and I need your wisdom and your Holy Spirit to um, speak to each one of us and to um, convict us and to teach us and to guide us and to uh, inspire us as we go out and do your work. Um, thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. All right, so Ali was going out. Let me first have a show of hands of um, um, anybody who had any um, prior experience working in the Middle East. Okay. Anyone contemplating? Okay, great, great. Um, okay, so um, we have um, a packed uh, agenda, and we lost a few minutes already, but anyway, we'll, I'll try to go as fast as I can, and um, uh, we'll see what we can get um, covered today. All right. No, not okay. Oh, okay, it just takes a couple of minutes. So, um, just by uh, way of uh, a quick introduction, in, in recent years there has been a, um, a focus in the global uh, health agendas and in uh, research um, to have a focus the lens on adolescents, usually viewed as the um, healthy period of life. You know, um, you know, they don't get sick, they don't die as kids um, in developing countries or as adults from other uh, chronic conditions. But um, um, that this is what it, it, it appears. However, the, um, uh, there is uh, more than 1.4 million adolescents um, aged 10 to 19 um, are estimated to die each year. 97% um, of these deaths are, for, are due to preventable causes that we're not addressing uh, as we should. <laughs> Otherwise, we won't be um, uh, dealing with these um, uh, alarming figures. Um, so, as you guys know, adolescence coincides with major changes in life, uh, cognitively, physically, um, and uh, psychologically, and all the rest. And it's uh, um, along these conditions, risk factors also uh, change, and the determinants of health change. And um, that um, uh, this is what we're going to um, part of what we're going to talk about um, uh, this uh, coming few minutes. Um, so. Um, Let's, um, uh, what I, you know, we're trying to do um, uh, in the next uh, half hour or so is to um, examine the extent to which the causes of ill, uh, Ill health um, at the global level apply to adolescents and in particular um, uh, have a particular look at the um, Arab, um, uh, Middle Eastern region. The Middle Eastern region, um, we'll, we'll see this in a little bit, it uh, encompasses Arabic-speaking countries and other countries um, as well who uh, share common language uh, uh, for the most part. Uh, uh, Iran uh, and Somalia. Iran is an exception. Um, Iran considers itself a partially Middle Eastern and partially um, uh, European for like to our, our Asian. Um, and we're going to explore whether um, some of these um, uh, uh, 
determinants uh, affect how they affect adolescents with particular focus on historical, socio-economic, and cultural conditions. And then we'll review the evidence of uh, health and um, epidemiology of the leading causes of death in the, uh, and disability in the, um, uh, in the region uh, for adolescents. And um, then I'm going to um, uh, take a quick look at uh, research gaps, just um, highlights of uh, gaps and challenges in the region and uh, uh, opportunities for you guys who are interested to um, serve out there. So uh, we hear young people, youth, adolescents, so what, what's this all about? WHO finally put this matter to rest and uh, set some uh, age brackets. So um, young people are, uh, are those who fall between the ages of 10 and 24, um, youth 15 and 24, adolescents and 10 and 19. So the UN literature um, and contributors to UN literature use um, this uh, 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 terminology in, that, in those particular meanings as well. So um, uh, one guy we need to uh, uh, learn about, uh, Granville Stanley Hall, um, he is known as the father of adolescence. Um, so he, um, his uh, scholarship treats adolescence themes in psychology, education, um, and popular culture. Um, uh, he also um, uh, uh, he, uh, was born in uh, Western Massachusetts and went to Germany, um, uh, got his scholarly work done, done out there and then came back and left about 400 books. Um, he was instrumental in the um, um, a concept of a muscular Christian approach to education and uh, that led to the um, uh, formation of Boy Scouts, YMCA, and all that. So just a bit of um, history there. Um, so let's uh, look at um, demography and uh, some happy um, evidence um, uh, for adolescents in the Middle East. Um, and for the most, uh, as you guys will know, later on the uh, reliable uh, data is scarce. Um, everything is, um, uh, uh, the literature is really limited. Um, but we rely for the most part on either local investigators or um, UN compiled uh, data and some sporadic studies here and there. So um, the acronym MENA um, uh, um, spells as Middle East and North Africa, so that you see this term interchangeably used. Um, so um, they People in the, young people in the Middle East live under considerably um, uh, uh, extraordinary uh, challenges and realities. Uh, so they're um, coming of age in a time of extreme turmoil and um, transition, a very dynamic transition that started in the, uh, 2011 and turned the whole region upside down. And the still trans transition is still evolving. We know so much, but the impacts of the um, internal migration, the displacement, the um, revolutions and all the rest is still unfolding, the genocides of uh, Christians and um, the impacts on adolescents in particular is still evolving as we speak. Uh, um, in fact, uh, sort of like a side, more or less relevant, uh, in Egypt, I'm, uh, I was originally uh, born and raised in Egypt and um, 
last night the church held a, an overnight prayer because there were some like threats of rioting, you know, to protest the uh, uh, economy and all the rest of the problems that are happening over there right now. But I think um, things are okay. Um, so prayer works. Um, Okay, so um, regional economic hardships uh, left 25% of young people um, unemployed. Um, and that in turn, uh, as we we're going to see, has some um, um, risk, uh, risk, is a risk factor uh, in and of itself. Um, so, uh, the, the, uh, um, let me see here, I, there's one point I wanted to make before I move on to the next um, next uh, slide um, uh, so uh, uh, communication um, is also um, uh, incredibly um, uh, social media is on very high use and it's exponential um, like I went um, in a very sort of uh, poor um, uh, urban slum doing some work there and there was a, a young, you know, um, adolescents, early adolescents, like 10, uh, 10 to 14 or so, um, meeting a whole bunch of them, maybe 60, 70, and that was a few years ago. And I said, <coughs> we're talking about internet uh, addiction and all the rest, and I wanted to get a show of hands for those who had a cell phone, they're very, very poor people. And I thought, you know, five, six, everybody except for one. And, you know, Kids at this age playing with, uh, you know, exchanging porn uh, uh, material, and they don't even know what this is all about. So that kind of go figure there. Uh, it is, it is crazy. Um, okay, so I wanted to bring this up for a, a, a reason, a relevant reason. We come to towards the end. You know, Egypt has been the main exporter of uh, professionals, um, workers, art, music to the rest of the Arab um, countries historically, and that in the recent history, like I'd say even 50, 60 years ago, uh, areas like Kuwait and the Gulf were so still very super undeveloped and relied heavily on um, you know, um, Egyptians for education, medicine and all the rest. It is the um, land, it stands out in the region because it's the land of Christianity. Um, Mark was the uh, one who brought Christianity in the first century to Egypt and at the time Islam was not there but it was uh, the parents who were seeking and looking for God uh, so immediately adopted Christianity, thrived, Coptic language was developed and civilization sort of spread all over the place until the Islamic invasion came in the 7th century and this is when things started to change completely the, the language was abolished and and, and, and all the rest. The, the reason I'm, I mention this because it, it uh, two reasons. It, uh, this it, Christian Egyptians are do not have Arab um, origins, if you will. Muslim uh, uh, Egyptians might because they intermarried and they were originally Christians, but with intermarried marriages from Muslims who invaded Egypt, they turned into Islam. Um, how is this relevant because um, to our uh, work as ambassadors of, of God is that um, God has been acting very powerfully in this country to spread the light um, inwards and outwards throughout the region and 
this will become more relevant later on. I just wanted to kind of bring it up here. So this is not as big as I thought it would be, but uh, okay. So we're going to talk about the uh, uh, distribution of youth population, but in general, the population tripled almost that overall population in the Middle East uh, between 1970 and 2010, it almost tripled. Um, the graph bar shows that the um, uh, the population growth uh, of youth in the region uh, almost doubled in the first 30 years and then increased again up until uh, 2010. The other um, uh, uh, figure um, distributes the, um, when you guys get a copy of the slides, you can look at the numbers, but uh, shows the distribution of the um, youth population in the um, region. So the point here is that um, the uh, 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 age structure of the population is super young uh, relative to other parts of the world. So more than half, uh, around 54% is still under the age of 25. And that represents an opportunity and a challenge, as you guys can probably tell. So the term uh, youth bulge um, is, um, is one that we, uh, the region is uh, familiar with. Um, um, so um, let's... Uh, Look at the next one. Um, talks more about the youth bulge. Again, the blue um, uh, uh, bottom, the, the, the part of the uh, graph, uh, it, um, it, uh, it shows like uh, the uh, trend um, of the youth bulge. It was um, peaked, I guess, in uh, probably somewhere in the 90s, and it's still coming down, but we're still, you know, youth under 15, here this is um, a different age distribution here, under 15, and then if you combine the under 15 and the 15 to 24, it's a, a huge sum of the population. And this is important because um, they, um, it's coupled with um, um, high fertility um, rates um, and um, uh, um, it, it, so the fertility was, was high, but it, did, um, it began to um, significantly decline in the 1970s. But, uh, so the high fertility and the improved in infant uh, survivability, we used to, like, the region suffered from deaths under five, that the uh, federal government here had a um, child survival pro program that was popular in the 90s and um, attending to immunization and causes for a death under five, and that definitely had an impact on increasing the survivability of infants, and that, along with the uh, fertility, contributed to this bunch that you guys um, see here. Um, so, um, countries like um, uh, Lebanon has a lower um, uh, growth rate, uh, while uh, Palestine, Yemen, and Iraq have a much higher fertility rate. Um, so, so the youth bulge is continuing for a um, uh, couple generations. If we consider um, unemployment, this um, uh, slide shows youth unemployment rates by sex the, between the 15 and 24, um, males and females. Males are blue, females are red in different uh, uh, countries in the region. Uh, um, Algeria, Egypt, uh, Morocco, uh, uh, Jordan have... Uh, higher rates, um, 
Syria, the picture is, is different now. I think this was, oh, well, this is uh, 014, and Syria is. Uh, um, and, and so that, you know, the economic downturn in the region as a result of the um, revolutions and the unrest uh, left many young people uh, unemployed. So, um, so they, you know, uh, Middle East news today um, are the first uh, generation of young people in recent history that are unlikely to have, uh, to fare better than their parents, despite they have better education, but they can't really make it. Um, they can't find a job. Um, and the high um, rates of um, unemployment, as you guys can uh, tell, means more spare time for young people, um, and that leads to engagement and, and uh, risky behavior. Um, uh, and uh, one of, we're, we're going to see uh, this, uh, um, uh, when we talk about it in a, uh, another slide, Water pipe, if you guys, some of you might be familiar with that, it's a form of um, tobacco inhalation. Um, and this has been very prevalent all over the place. Even cafe, like Star, not Starbucks per se, but cafes like Starbucks, there are, we have different, a lot of brands there. Um, they have, uh, uh, they, they offer water pipe. It's a trendy thing, it's a cool thing, everybody does it, and it's a mess. And, a session on the um, you know dangers of that but um, so um, uh, lack of opportunities also lead to um, hopelessness and they're not also engaged in other activities that would um, you know fill the time uh, so in terms of uh, marriage um, in the in the Middle East uh, it's, it's known uh, of early marriages, especially among uh, women, uh, early, like, uh, young teenagers. Um, so UNFPA estimates that 50% um, uh, of girls marry before the age of 18 across, um, uh, and there are much higher rates in countries such as uh, Mauritania, Somalia, Sudan, and Yemen, as well as parts of Egypt, especially, well, mostly rural um, Egypt. Um, so the, the persistence of child marriage has been highlighted by uh, international attention um, to cases of, uh, like a couple of cases that you guys might have heard about. I'm not going to say that this is the, the rule, but, you know, take it or leave it. An eight-year-old girl from Saudi Arabia sought divorce from a 50-year-old man. Go figure. Um, she was forced the kid to marry because of for money, to pay that or whatever. A ten-year-old uh, from Yemen also sought divorce from an abusive husband, um, three times her age. So, um, uh, cultural norms are prevailing. Uh, of course, when when you hear um, uh, uh, statistic like this, it is not. Um, it's the variation is incredible. Um, the, of course, rural from urban, um, there is, um, you know, um, education is prevalent, and especially on, uh, you know, among, among the educated, this is not an issue at all, but in um, most vulnerable uh, uh, population groups, that is. So, of course, child marriage outcomes with um, risks on uh, uh, sexual and reproductive health risks 
and um, child, early childbearing and, uh, and, and all the rest. Um, so um, uh, evidence also suggests that um, it may be decreasing the um, uh, age of marriage um, in special settings. For example, a, a survey in Yemen in 06 found that 15.6 of young women aged 25 to uh, 29 had married before the age of 15. This slide shows uh, the uh, percentage of women who were um, 20 to 24 who were married before the age of 18. So it, it's higher in, in Yemen, in Somalia, um, in Egypt is also 17% and, and so on. So, well, uh, this is also changing. Um, uh, you have, I guess, both sides of the coin um, in the region, which makes it incredibly difficult to, uh, to deal, to tackle these issues. So there is a rising age of marriage, because, again, because of the economy, um, young people don't have money to get married, and to, um, you know, um, so, um, so it is rising. Um, whereas when they marry at a young age, the child goes straight, sort of even bypasses adolescence, if you will, goes straight from uh, being a kid to being a woman, uh, even though her, uh, she's, still, um, she's still developing. So, um, so, so the age of marriage is um, is rising, um, um, and uh, for example. Uh, the culture favors early marriage to the extent that a country, a rich country like uh, United Arab Emirates is subsidizing the young, young people to go get married early. So there you have it, the different, just to, just to kind of show you an interplay of uh, uh, socio-cultural uh, uh, norms um, and um, prevailing that that will impact the uh, health um, and wellness of adolescents. And there is also a trend where um, Middle Eastern women who are not marrying at all and that they, again, kind of go through um, that uh, being sort of like the um, exception um, with a bit of stigmatization there as well. Um, so having looked at quickly at some um, of the uh, demographic um, and um, indicators, let's uh, look at uh, morbidity and mortality. Um, so in this slide, uh, we're looking at the leading causes of death, and we're comparing them, uh, comparing the uh, Middle Eastern region with uh, uh, globally. And the two, uh, the A represents adolescence between ages uh, 10 and 14, and the B represents adolescence 14 to, ni uh, 14 to 19. Um, so causes of death that made it to this. Um, uh, uh, slide are, the, uh, are those who contributed 5% or more to death uh, among either age group. Um, so among the top causes here um, are cardiovascular disease, circulatory, uh, 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 transport uh, and um, road injuries uh, contribute, contributed majorly to um, causes of death, unintentional injury um, uh, similar to um, global levels, and the fourth cause, which is related to uh, infectious diseases, diarrhea, um, uh, still a part of an unfinished agenda, um, and uh, it persists in poorer countries in the Middle East along with uh, uh, 
more than others. Um, uh, cancer uh, is uh, cancer and diabetes are higher in the Middle East um, than in globally. When you think about it, um, uh, nobody dies from diabetes at this early age. So think about that. Uh, if we consider daddies, um, uh, the uh, disability age um, uh, adjusted life uh, years take into account the number of years lost for to both premature um, mortality and disability. So again, 5% are the ones who made it up here. So we can see that mental and behavioral disorders contribute, uh, majorly contribute to uh, 25% of dailies in the whole region, considerably higher than uh, uh, the world, the rest of the world. Um, maternal causes and HIV are there. TB um, and intentional injuries uh, do not contribute as much to dailies um, in the Middle East. So, so that leads us to the AP um, um, transition where historically infectious diseases, the real diseases were on the top of the list and that sort of you know, corresponds to the epi transition globally as well. So there is, has been a shift from infectious, uh, infectious diseases to um, um, uh, non-communicable diseases and chronic diseases. So um, the data that we saw highlights um, uh, three health problems for adolescents, cardiovascular, uh, motor vehicle and transport injuries, uh, mental and behavior, uh, behavioral problems, and that includes um, engagement and risky behavior. Um, so, uh, so that, you know, so that's been uh, shifting the, um, and that, this is due to uh, um, different variables um, changing in the environment, the, um, the uh, conflict in the area, and um, uh, other um, variables that we probably look at in a little bit. Just thought uh, to bring tobacco to the uh, picture. Here's a, a young woman. Uh, smoking the shisha or the water pipe and the, uh, the tobacco that they put there lasts I think for an, an hour or so and each so you smoke it continuously for like you, you, for a whole hour you're just puffing the whole time and each one of those equals uh, the amount of poison, nicotine and what have you equals that of 20 cigarettes all at once and they consume a few of those every in, in each setting. So just kind of show you how, how uh, dangerous this is. So increased um, tobacco among, among young people, um, um, and you know surveys from the region found that between 11 and 34 percent of the 13 to 15 year old um, uh, use tobacco or have used tobacco in the past uh, 30 days. Um, so. Um, So this, this is what this um, uh, slide shows, again, um, comparing boys and girls in the region, in different countries in the region. <laughs> so moving to socio-cultural determinants of um, adolescent health in the region. Um, so um, we um, touched on the economy and the downturn of the economy and the conflict. So the, com so the conflict um, in 
Iraq uh, a couple of years ago in, in 014 when the um, crisis was um, evolving and the exodus was massive, uh, Iraqis and, and Syrians, um, that, uh, that meant leaving everything, surviving, just going anywhere, just walking uh, until you got somewhere. And that meant uh, seeing your fa family members uh, get tortured and killed and you know, before you because, you know, for their, because uh, they took a stand for their faith. So, needless to say, that left um, our leaves and uh, unfolding trauma, especially among adolescents, abuse, trafficking, um, uh, coercion, um, and I, I have a million stories to, to tell about you know, the experiences we've had over the past couple of years, an influx of uh, Syrian refugees in neighboring countries like in Lebanon, Jordan, um, uh, Egypt, and the uh, friction that this is causing, like there is an effort in Egypt to, or has been, uh, was successful in a couple of governorates in the country, two of the 26, uh, uh, mainstreaming Syrians in the national healthcare system, which is poor to begin with. So that kind of comp competition for uh, limited resources already, health expenditures, like, is really bad for the area. There is another um, uh, uh, region-specific issue that I wanted to bring up to your attention, which is, which is the Orfi marriage. Orfi marriage is basically, it's very pr uh, prevalent in Iran, and I remember I was in a regional conference, like a WHO regional conference, and there was the assistant to the Minister of Health, who figure guys. That was a, a while back, about 10 years ago. And so we were talking about this, and the guy was, I mean, he would not accept the discussion about it. It's, it's, in other words, our fee means not legal, and it's a pleasurable marriage. So any man can grab any girl, married, not married, kid, spend as much time as he wants with her, no legal binding, throw her in the street, go figure. That's been fueling HIV AIDS and, um, uh, and, and given the lack of also um, available protection and education and uh, access to resources for adolescents, the stigma, the, the girl is usually uh, the criminal, uh, uh, you know, the victim is, is the criminal and the criminalized in this whole uh, saga. So, so that's, and that's, this is unaccounted for, it's unresearched, it's all over the place, um, it's there. Um, so it's like a, it's like a legalized uh, rape, if you will, a uh, form of, uh, of gender-based violence. Um, so uh, um, uh, another thing is that male, um, let's see, young people, um, yes, the, Yes, the marriage, I mean, to have sex, you have to be married there. Of course, this is changing. Otherwise, it's just not acceptable. You hide it, nobody knows. <laughs> so, if, you know, if you have to wait, you, you can't get married because it's tough and you don't think you can for the next 10 years, what do you do? So, you know, it, it just gets out of control because, again, the social um, and cultural um, constraints that prevent you from providing um, health services to these kids and uh, puts, puts tremendous pressure on um, access to um, education and knowledge and uh, services if uh, needed, especially uh, for the victims of rape and whatnot. Um, so, uh, so there is a migration and internal displacement that we already talked about. It puts them yeah, at risk of trafficking and all the rest. And um, so... 
lots of this you know, population. There is, by the way, when I, I talked about this in 014 here, there was about, about 1.0 million uh, internally displaced in the region. Now, today, there's 6 million. And the fastest uh, uh, you know, migration ever. Um, so 6 million uh, millions are this, uh, dispersed all over the place. Some of them are with the UN program waiting to go to a Western country, but that doesn't happen for years. Um, okay, so gender disparity real quick is simply a girl, a boy is preferred over a girl. In poor um, households, the boy will get the food first, the boy will go to school, the girl stays home because they can't afford schooling uh, for everybody. Um, uh, women are, and young girls are more vulnerable to infection, no life skills to kind of stand up for themselves and protect themselves. Uh, less negotiation power. Um, uh, husband, for example, can go out and have you know as many partners as he wants, but uh, a wife or a, a girl cannot do that. Um, uh, in yeah, in Iran, 75% of the women are living with HIV uh, and AIDS, um, and were infected by uh, by their husbands on, or one of those uh, who practiced or in marriage with them. Uh, religion, by religion I mean mostly the Muslim religion, um, was viewed as a protective factor. You know, it's a moral sort of umbrella that everybody abides with, but in fact it is not because it's just the, uh, I guess the, the, the outward picture. Um, so, therefore, they, they, you know, the prevalent um, uh, norm there is you cannot teach. Um, Education, um, sexual productive health, for example, because it will harm the kids. They go out and do what they're not supposed to do. Um, challenges um, prevents efforts. Um, these challenges, um, like uh, you know, family planning is a classic example. Religion, the Muslim religion, is all about multiplying because they want to increase in number and they want to invade the world. So go forget this country, USAID dumped zillions since the uh, mid 80s uh, in family planning programs in Egypt. <laughs> Egypt is, is, is um, I think, it's the most populous country in the Middle East. The population uh, exponentially like, is, is just going up. There is no evidence of family planning whatsoever. <laughs> and I mean, it's like 90 plus million today living on 3 to 4 percent of the land. So um, there you go. Uh, again, uh, uh, religion um, is, is, a, is, a, is a factor. I mean, uh, so, okay, so the, there's nothing in Islam that says you have to circumcise girls. But it is viewed, female circumcision, female genital mutilation is viewed as a religious practice because it protects them from being tempted or from whatever. In the meantime, it kills them, it poisons them, the whole, the whole, the, I mean, the whole uh, 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 set of horrible consequences. So, this is the impact of uh, religion. It takes matters in hand, control content distribution or availability, um, even uh, uh, and Things are changing, but we, I was talking about health, health literacy the other day, health literacy being a, a huge 
problem here in this country for some vulnerable groups. Go figure. I was thinking internet is, you know, you can just like push a button and get how to use a condom on, online or whatever, but there is no literacy to um, empower and enable people to do that. So, um, religion. Um, uh, risk, risky behaviors, um, uh, you know, data, for example, on um, uh, injected drug use is very scarce in the region, even though we know it's a huge problem. Um, uh, the region's location also makes it a, a major uh, source route uh, and destination for global trade in, in drugs and, um, and um, you know, trafficking. Um, and um, it's a persistent problem in the region. It has been for a long time in uh, Libya, uh, um, uh, among other countries. Um, so there is a, a criminalization of injecting drug use of uh, sex workers or, of, or sex outside, mar outside of marriage is criminalized. Um, and also men who have sex with men is also criminalized. So then brings us to a, um, uh, a, focus, uh, a, a, a how, how do we understand these determinants? Obviously there are um, the environment um, and the social norms and the family and the transition and the politics, everything plays a role. So this is where the ecological model comes in handy to understand, better understand these determinants and use it as a framework to uh, uh, design strategies and interventions to tackle these, um, these, these issues. So at the very center, um, the teeny tiny orange um, uh, piece here is the um, individual, the adolescent who is at the center of this um, uh, whole um, uh, spectrum of uh, uh, factors that includes um, the biology, the uh, psycho psychological changes that take place during the second decade of life in um, uh, and then, you know, um, the changes in the adolescent affect the um, whole spectrum of disease and health. Then um, uh, the next uh, circle up there, there is the um, uh, family, um, family members, the close, the peers who interact with the adolescent. How, how do they impact uh, protection or risk um, uh, from um, disease and infection? Then the wider um, Circle, green circle, is the community that the adolescent lives in. Uh, if they live in a refugee camp or in a nice house and a good school and the organizations that they interact with, uh, school, social, and what, you know, um, the, and then the environment that they live in and then on a macro level, the uh, policy, uh, policy makers and um, uh, uh, decision makers. Um, for health, uh, health and uh, uh, to plan for the health of adolescents. So, so research gaps um, uh, are huge and many, but just to point out a few um, examples, uh, HIV research is inconsistent and spotty and not publishable. Um, um, the lack of uh, reliable studies on adolescent risky behavior is there. Um, uh, Country-specific uh, research uh, production does not correlate with economic weight, like rich countries like Kuwait and um, 
uh, and the uh, emirates they're not necessarily like you know producing uh, or contributing to the literature um, and also um, younger adolescents are almost excluded so um, you know from research and when you think about it the, uh, these countries are overwhelmed um, with uh, competing um, um, problems, political and social and economic, and they, so adolescence does not stand on the top of, of the agenda, even though the major, that's the, like the major uh, part of the population. Challenges are um, the migrations, the in and out, um, that uh, threatens the, the possibility to do longitudinal studies, uh, to cultivate long-term trust with the population so that you can do um, qualitative research and um, especially uh, higher risk and vulnerable groups that need um, trust building so they can um, cooperate and research. Uh, migrants may not be counted in national surveys um, and they can also be excluded from uh, protective interventions because again some of them re remain uncounted for. Um, Okay, so why are we failing adolescents? We, we continue to think that adolescents think of them as older children uh, or younger adults, despite the fact that the brain is still developing and that in and of itself uh, equip them with um, uh, cognitive, emotional and social skill, skills and, abil uh, and abilities. So we under, we're, under also, we're also under the impression that the adolescent um, uh, adolescence is the healthy period of life, which we found out that this is, uh, is, this is just not uh, true. We're also under the impression that adolescents are a homogenous group um, and um, uh, implement programs uh, based on that. When, when you think of an adolescent, uh, an 11-year-old can come to your clinic at the same time sitting with a, a, a 18-year-old. World of difference, all things considered. There is the poor, there is the migrant, there is the um, rich, and the, uh, they're not a homogeneous group. But there, is, there are those who live on the streets and who live on camps. Uh, we think we see it all, but uh, no, we only uh, see a limited part of the measure. We noticed um, <coughs> adolescent HIV, AIDS, and pregnancy because um, they're being measured, but there are other uh, problems and issues that are not being uh, addressed, measured at all. Um, and also, um, we have health systems that serve adults and small children without any focus on adolescents. So that, these are some of the reasons why are we failing them. And what, um, I just wanted to bring up the, um, uh, the latest uh, uh, strategy for WHO, the um, uh, Global Accelerated Action for Health of Adolescents. That yeah, Usually WHO is like a lab that produces initiatives and programs and protocols and they go out. Uh, deployed in countries where uh, other UN organizations such as UNICEF and UNFPA are well um, established in the field and they are the implementers uh, basically and you know, co-authors as well. So, so this initiative, it, um, it, focuses, on, it focuses on uh, survive, uh, thrive and uh, transform and it's effective this year through uh, O30 and um, it works by involving um, adolescents um, 
in the whole process um, must be evidence-based, highlighting the role of policy and, um, and um, guiding priorities, uh, priority setting, especially in um, epidemiology, um, and um, providing options for implementation. So, um, what can I do? Okay, so this is my little framework um, about uh, Satan's uh, strategy um, in this world. So, God created, a, created us for good works and created us whole and on his image. But Satan is here to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does that through these um, interrelated vicious circles of poverty, ignorance, and disease. And that's where we come in handy. Understand his tactics. God is equipping us as health and public health, medical and uh, professionals. And we're here because you are either contemplating, you're interested, you've been there, but you want to continue to be uh, God's ambassador. The reason I wrote this slide, this is that, you know, prayer in Egypt in uh, 011, that transformed the faith of the country. That's the only reason this tyrant was, uh, you know, uh, terminated. No other reason than that. Uh, miraculously, I might say. There are some, um, I thought I might share this because it's relevant. The youth, um, we have youth conferences or the country has them periodically um, where, you know, God's Holy Spirit is so powerful that kids bring out drugs in, you know, offering plates and, you know, they accept Jesus and um, that's, 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 we, we have to, um, I, it took me years to focus on, to understand that this is my first and foremost mission as a physician and a public health practitioner. But it, it, it's a good idea to start thinking about it now, huh? um, that the presence of the Holy Spirit did not install fear or stop people, even kids, from burning, you know, praying in burnt churches in Iraq, Syria, and Egypt. Um, so opportunities. So the reason I brought these slides at first is to emphasize the role of prayer. It's a practice. And, uh, it can't be, um, you know, short prayer here and there, but it, it's not a building. It's like going to the gym. And you will read the, um, and that's my own learning curve. I'm still learning. Um, when you give God priority, He speaks and he guides and he moves you and he equips you and he does beyond, you know, expectations to bless you as he told Abraham and to be, uh, to make you a blessing. So consider short term, there is a zillion opportunities in this, uh, in the Exilicon, there are many organizations such as, you know, that sends um, short term and long term and, and the Middle East, I'll just briefly, uh, um, Give you a quick um, example. When the crisis happened in Iraq, um, so three, four individuals in, Kiev, in, in Egypt got nudged by the Holy Spirit. That's, what, that's all it took. And they said, What can we do? And they just got themselves together and they just went there. There were no flights going on. There at the time, the first, they waited for weeks, and the first time they did, God sent money through Facebook. So they said, I'm going. Money started pouring from friends and family and family friends and friends who were living uh, in other parts of the world sent the money and 
God used this the group to uh, bring healing, encourage, support, uh, change uh, tents, like for the first time introduced tents that were um, weather uh, proof a little bit that the UN uh, decaying tents and, and, and all the rest and they, none of them had any clue what, what they're going to do or what they're capable of doing. They just won. Um, and uh, okay, that's another one. Again, these are homes, believe it or not, of you know, people in, 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 in a, the village that was um, where um, 13 of the Libya martyrs came from. And this is why they went to Libya to find work because they couldn't find work there and that's how they're living. Again, I'm telling you guys a Facebook call. Um, raised support and they're, you know, just three, four people, uh, including an engineer that got sent from Garmon's Ware and he was, you know, kind of engineering the um, construction, created job opportunities to local workers and Give a little bit of decency for for these uh, people. So there's so. My point is, we can. There's so much we can do. And another relevant thing to uh, us as you know, healthcare. Uh, um, this is my last one more. And this is my last. Um, it's not about me. It's about me being a vessel in the Master's hand. And every time Jesus sent the twelve or the seventeen, he commissioned them to preach the word and heal the sick and test them themselves. And that same power that God gave Peter, who denied, uh, um, no, who was, the, um, yeah, who denied Christ, um, where when Peter walked, he. His shadow came over the sick and they were healed. That's the only disciple mentioned in the Bible that you know, had this happen to him, through him. Um, he is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And he knew these people like us. And we here, this is at the plenary, and this is where we come to get inspired and charged. And, and so I would say, that, you know, practically, if you're interested, go explore. Pray. You, you belong to a Bible study group, a house church, whatever it is. Pray. Pray, 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 pray. And see what God is going to do. And just, I watched the Mother Teresa movie recently and she said everything we do is just a drop in the ocean. But if we don't do it, this drop is lost forever. So, there you have it. Um, any questions? <laughs>